everyone knows that confidence is everything. You simply won't get far without it. And it's not only in football, but with anything else in life. It's why Penske gives you as much confidence as possible when you're moving. How does Penske do that? They do it by offering newer, cleaner, and safer trucks so that whether you're moving across the country or even just across town, Penske Truck Rental will help you move with confidence. So check them out so that you can get the newest, cleanest, and safest trucks to help you move at Penske Truck Rental. Welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Back here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Very excited. We got a a loaded show for you today. Uh, Stanford Steve of ESPN is going to be joining us. He's uh, the best. Uh, Chip Patterson here. Barton Simmons there. Barton, the the time for readjustment and the time for figuring things out is now as we talked a little bit about teams revealing their identities in our Week 3 recap, which I would encourage you to go and download but in terms of literally like changes in the identities we've we've got a new uh face list and a new new name listed as the acting head coach for ohio state uh barton with urban meyer returning to the buckeyes where do you think how much do you think urban meyer is worth uh on a game-to-game basis in your opinion you know that's a that's a interesting question in the sense that are you assuming He's worth points. Right. Like, I, I, I'm very curious. I, Ohio State's offenses look sharp to me, and I know it would have looked sharp with Urban Meyer there. Um, but I think, you know, Urban Meyer is such a um, micromanager, has, has, has such an intense presence on the program, and, and, and I think has a, such a – heavy-handed grip on the offense and you know generally speaking that's a good thing but I think we saw last year I mean Kevin Wilson was the coach or the offensive coordinator and the offense did not look like Kevin Wilson's offense it looked like Urban Meyer's offense right um granted the quarterback was Urban Meyer's quarterback uh but through the first two three weeks of the season now the offense has looked like Ryan Day's offense and and I know that's largely because of the quarterback, but there's a long way of saying I wouldn't be surprised if there's an element of, all right, Urban Meyer's back. <clears throat> now the offense sort of cl- clinches down a little bit and tightens up a little bit. I don't know whether that would be perceptible or not, but I think it's an interesting dynamic to keep track of. And I also think there is an element of like this Ohio State team was – uh, partitioned off from the Urban Meyer saga uh, over the last three weeks. They were just working in their cocoon. And now Urban Meyer's back and, and all the baggage comes with them. So I don't know, man. Like I, I think it's a much more complicated question than just, oh, Urban Meyer's back, now Ohio State that's been so good is even better. I think that Urban Meyer, on from a Vegas perspective, could be worth – a point and a half to two points on a betting line, but I would not argue with you in in sort of your line of thinking in saying that maybe there is a world. And again, you always get really you 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 sort of tiptoe around these takes because you don't want to talk about you know a multiple three time national championship winner for sure, college football Hall of Famer that it might be negative, but I. I be, I could listen and I would listen if you said no. I I think that actually Urban Meyer is about negative two point five points per game on the betting line. It's just gonna be, uh, if, uh, and I don't even think this week is where I think when we see it if if it happens Penn is State. the Penn State game. Yeah, you know, do we see that offense start to sort of shrink back into its shell and start to just rely on? Um, the underneath passing game and 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 not really feel I, I just there I think that there's a there is a 
you know, I think there's a, there was a, there's been a looseness around Ohio State lately, despite everything that's going on outside the, the coaching office, outside everything that's going on outside the football facility. There's been a, there's been a, a, a I don't know, that's that, uh, I don't know why I can't think of a better word than that, but the, they feel very, it's felt very loose and, and relaxed and competent and comfortable. And I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not even predicting. It will. I'm just. I'm very interested in whether it's going to look different once Urban Meyer comes. Does it make you feel comfortable when you hear some of the comments from Ohio State players who, when they say, uh, "I saw this one trickle out from the weekend," and we, we, some of us on the team, we really feel like we were picked to be put in this position to overcome this adversity. Uh, I, I have trouble both, you know, trying to put myself in the shoes of a, a 19 to 20 year old kid who signed up to play at Ohio State, compete for national championships. His way of processing what he's facing is that, you know, this is a challenge. This is adversity. This is going to make us come together with the reality of the scandal being that Urban Meyer and the Ohio State leadership mismanaged an alleged domestic abuser. Well, I, th- I think when you look at the way the program has handled things, and the way the players have handled things, you know, that none of that, like this is very, all of the dramas is so removed from the players. Like they don't, they don't have to feel the weight of this because there's no culpability on them. If anything, they're the victims of it. And the way the program has operated in Urban Meyer, and this is a credit to Urban Meyer and the way he set the program up to be so sound structurally. But with Urban Meyer gone, it's, you know, the, the quotes we're hearing is that everything has been, exactly like it always is it's just a different person giving us the pre-practice and post-practice speech um and because of that you know i think that's what's allowed them to operate so efficiently and effectively i've seen some of the most talented athletes fail because they lacked one essential ingredient and that is confidence without it everything else goes to waste it'll make or break any athlete or any college football team and the same is true with life off the field too like with moving it's why penske truck rental equips its customers with as much confidence as possible to make their moves successful like offering newer cleaner trucks that are among the safest on the road Every truck undergoes a multi-point inspection, plus you'll get unlimited miles on one-way rentals. So whether you're moving across the country or just across town, Penske Truck Rental helps you move with confidence. And now we are getting to Penske Truck Rental, which sponsors our Teams on the Move segment and our team on the move for this week. And this episode is the Nebraska Cornhuskers, who are 0-3. It is not good. They are on the move to go face Michigan in the big house. And so I want to check the temperature. We have been a we've been Scott Frost fanboys through and through. They have, obviously, a game-time decision for Adrian Martinez. Injuries for just, just sort of really playing a big role in what Nebraska's been. Where is your confidence in in sort of Nebraska this week in terms of what they're going to be able to bring with their backs up against the wall following that loss this weekend? Oh, and two. Oh, and two. Yep. That's right. Up Akron. Yeah. Akron got canceled by lightning. So I guess it's oh two hey, and hey, one loss to mother what, mother nature. After, after seeing what Akron did this past weekend, maybe they're fortunate uh, that that one got canceled um you know that that's didn't the zips beat northwestern this past weekend uh yeah it was an 18 point comeback fourth quarter win against <laughs> your boy clayton thurston that's right that's right um no I, I i like of all the head coaches that are off to slow start this is the this is the guy that i'm least worried about um because a couple of things i mean look colorado is a really good team that was a really close game, coin flip kind of game that just it, it the ball fell in Colorado's way. So tough loss, but look, nothing to nothing to stress over. Uh, Troy, you know, they gave up a punt return touchdown. That was the difference of the game ultimately. Um, and that's a Neil Brown is a is a giant killer, and they caught one. Um, and they were playing with a walk on quarterback, and. Uh, you know, so now we're going to at, at Michigan. I don't know if Adrian Martinez is going to be back or not. He's day to day, but I'm just—they're going to. I think they'll be competitive in that game, and I think that this is a program that's still heading in the right direction. Like I think that 
uh, nothing we've seen is troubling. Like nothing we've seen that doesn't make you feel like like with Willie Taggart, there's some real troubling signs. Like, all right, well, this offense just seems like it doesn't know what he's doing. You know, they're they're mismanaging the clock. They're not playing hard. Like there's just all these red flags. Well, none of those things are happening in Nebraska. They've just they just haven't won a, two close games against two solid opponents. Did you see the Tanner Farmer quotes from Monday? They're great. The way I look at it is you're always going to have some guys on a team that resist buying in. Uh, This coaching staff has set a precedence of what they want, what they expect, and we have a good group of guys that are leading the way, setting the standards, but you always have a few guys that just aren't quite buying in. And that can be the difference between winning and losing games by a few points. Uh, it can be the difference between winning by 30 points or losing by 20 points. You'd be surprised how big of a difference a few guys not buying in uh, can can take on a team. Um, so he's pretty much saying that any guys that aren't buying in, either buy in or move out for the guy who's going to buy in. Um, you know, as, and as, as leaders, we have to step in and make sure we need to hold these guys responsible. Um, sometimes it's just they don't know any better. They don't know exactly how to buy in. They think they're buying in, but they don't really understand what truly buying in means. So we need to set a good example, and we need to hold them accountable. Yeah, I, that's what I was saying is when you've got a big leadership in the room is when you've got leadership in the room that wants to stand up and talk about the buy-in, uh, it told me two things. Number one, that um, there there obviously are some people around Nebraska and around that program and on that roster who – you know, there must be a thought that they aren't totally locked in and on the same page as everyone that's moving in this right direction. But if the if the trajectory is forward and if they've got that kind of leadership, like that's what gives me some confidence in thinking that, you know, by by the end of this year, Nebraska's going to be fine and it, it will have weeded itself out a little bit to the point where, I mean, re- remember the reason why they're in this position uh at the quarterback position while they're in this spot at the quarterback position is because of not having total buy-in and so i i hesitate even if uh if a loss comes this weekend which i do expect i'm I'm just not gonna sell my nebraska stock no matter what happens knowing that they really might be going through one of those tough troubles where it's just gonna take some time to get everybody on the same page yeah i i'm my bold prediction for the big 10 beginning of the season, I think, uh, or for you know, one of my bold predictions that I was asked to make, I, I said Nebraska will beat either Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio State, or Michigan State. I think I said at least one of those. Like nothing I've seen to this point makes me feel feel like they're not that same. They they aren't able to fulfill those same expectations, um, or those 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 that that's a bold prediction that has now become too bold to to stomach. Um, there's it's still there. Like they, I, they're gonna beat. They're gonna beat somebody. They're gonna get better, and the quarterback's gonna come back, and they're gonna beat somebody. And that has been Teams on the Move, brought to you by Penske Truck Rental. Remember, Penske Truck Truck Rental equips its customers with as much confidence as possible to make their moves successful. How do they do it? They've got newer, cleaner, safer trucks. Everyone has to undergo a multi-point inspection. And if you sign up with Penske Truck Rental, you'll get unlimited miles on one-way rentals. So whether you're moving across the country or just across town, Penske Truck Rental helps you move with confidence. All right, Barton, you ready to bring on Stanford Steve? Bring it on. And now it is our pleasure to welcome to the show Stanford Steve of ESPN. You can catch him all over the place. You can listen to his podcast with Chris Falica, the Bear. Um, and Steve, first of all, we got to jump right into where you just were. You were just in Austin, Texas. You were there for USC, Texas, a huge win for the Longhorns. And uh, so everyone's favorite question when it comes to these uh, these big brand name powers searching to to regain that former glory, uh, where are you on the back scale with the Texas Longhorns in 2018? <laughs> uh, I'd say that the – the arrow is pointed in the right direction. Okay. Um, I know people people want to get, you know, overreact to losses. That's what we do, especially on Mondays after the game, right? Um, I've known Tom Herman a long time. I've known Todd Orlando, his defense coordinator, even longer from when he was at UConn. And I used to go up watch practice there. Um, I, the issue with Texas is I 
and, and Bart, you could speak on this. Just when I when I look at the recruiting, and we obviously know how they want to dominate the state of Texas, but I look at the reverse side. Like it almost feels like it hurts them sometimes when they have a guy that's say evenly ranked or even a, a little higher ranked, or in their eyes, on a guy that's out of state compared to the guy that's in state, and that. Put it this way, I, I the, the strength of the high school football coach fraternity in Texas is way stronger than I thought, and I think it affects it because then that force Texas have to take the Texas kid, which might not be the right call. Now there, we know there's enough players in the state, you know, and obviously I, I constantly circle the old quarterback when they when they select, you know, when they decided to offer. Um, uh, uh, Garrett, um, Garrett Gilbert, Garrett, Garrett Grayson, Garrett Gilbert. Gilbert over Andrew Luck. Yeah. And you know, that's the obvious one from my alma mater, but you know, never offered Drew Brees. Like I just, you're going to swing and miss, but when you don't have the, that, that, that wherewithal to be able to go out state and, and feel confident about something that I think, that I think, uh, affects you. And I think Herman will, will win people over enough where he'll be able to, dominate recruiting outside the state also, but I like where they're at. I, I love the mojo that they that, that staff brings to everything. I think the stadium was, was better than I've ever seen it, um, and they're going to expand it with a new end zone. So I, I like everything, I think, in Austin, even though they do have a, a real tough stretch on uh, the next four weeks of games here. You know, the, after the Tulsa game, I thought it was interesting um, – that like Tom Herman said something in his whether his post game press or maybe it was Monday presser he said something about like how he had he had made a mistake by at halftime really getting on his guys and trying to fire them up and trying to really sort of challenge them as opposed to maybe being more encouraging about the the, the good first half they had and then they tightened up in the second half and and let Tulsa back in it and it, it sort of made me think like this Texas is so weird because it's almost like you have to straddle like, all right, do we, are these guys too entitled? Do we have to cater to the, you know, the, the, the fan base too much? Do we have to, like, I feel like this is like this balancing act. A coach has to be, to be like a psychologist at Texas. And I'm just curious being down there, like what, what's sort of the vibe you get from the program in sense of like, do you feel like these guys, like, did you, did you gather any Intel in that front as far as like what the mental state of this team is are they starting to turn the corner and figuring out how to actually ignite the team? Yeah, I, I don't think that the, the the igniting part is a problem at all. I think Herman is 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 one of the top guys when it comes to relating with the kids and and bringing them along and in the recruiting process and also you know um, you know when they get on campus like look at what he did with the with the quarterback situation. You know everybody talking about Michelle he was the guy. When he got on the canvas and he was going to turn the corner, and it feels like we've said that about every single Texas quarterback that's gone there since Paul McCoy graduated, and then he doesn't he doesn't dance around the fact of you know the quarterback competition during camp. He just comes out. Ellinger's a starter. Have at it, you know. Yeah. Whereas you know every, these other guys you know stringing along. Oh yeah, this person's competing here. That you know they both have a job. I thought that was huge, and I. I look at that team. I, I saw how the team reacts to Sam Ellinger. He is easily one of my top uh, college football players to watch in person. He's not the prettiest, but, man, he's tough. He's gutty to move the chains. I think he had 17 carries last week for nothing special with a touchdown. Um, I, I I think they're fine there. It's just, you know, everybody wants to be, you know, on those online trolls we have nowadays. Like, you know, I, there's a couple people sticker, and they go down 7 nothing on the sideline. You know, looking at a second 10, you know, run call, you know, people, you know, start whispering underneath. They're like, what are we doing? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it's the first drive of the, of the, of the game. Like, maybe he has a couple, you know, 10 plays scripted. Like, relax. That was yeah. the longest game I was at, by the way, too. And, like, everything turned out fine. You know, they were down 14-3 and came back and shut them out and scored 21 unanswered to win the game. And everybody went home happy. All right, well then talk talk the USC folks off the ledge then, because that's the other side of that game you saw. Uh, look, I'm I I got USC so wrong. I, I I looked at all the personnel they've been recruiting, and that that really sort of I think affected the way I I saw their season because I 
I picked them in the playoffs because I was like, look, JT Daniels yeah. is the truth. They got all these guys that I, I, I know are good. They're going to take the next step forward. They were ranked the same place Georgia was last year. And they just, they're just missing a lot, <laughs> it seems like. Can, can you put into perspective how close or far you think they are? Okay. What we have to do with Clay Helton, though, first is talk about what he's done. Okay? They won a Rose Bowl, all right? And they won a Pac-12 championship in back-to-back years. So these USC fans, like, I don't know what you guys want. And they had the number one uh, quarterback who I saw in, in the draft in Sam Donald. Like, that's not easy to, to replace, like, in, in three games. Like, that takes a while. Yeah. I also go back to that first season with Sam Donald, and I thought Helton did a genius job of not playing him against Alabama or Stanford, who had two of the top ten defenses, I thought, in the country that year. You know, start them at Utah. They lose a tough one. They run the table. Went to Rose Bowl. Like now with USC fans, it's like none of that ever happened. Like you beat Penn State, who was the <laughs> hottest team in the country that year in the Rose Bowl. And last year you 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 won a Pac-12 title. Like you can't you, you can't have it both ways. Like there's a there's an obvious transition period here. What I do look at when I watch them in person is what they've recruited up front. And USC always had those guys during pregame, you know, that would come out. You know, Taylor Mays was a safety, but just your, you know, your Clay Matthews, your Brian Cushing's, where you're just like, whoa, like that's a that's a linebacker that looks like a D tackle to me. And I don't know if SC has those guys. Like, I look at their skill guys, and I don't think there's an issue at all. I thought Daniels was actually pretty good last week. Um, Stanford, I didn't really treat as a road game because we have the worst fan base in America. So I didn't, and then he got hurt, and that was just a mess. Last week, I mean. He was pretty impressive. That was as loud as I've heard a stadium in a couple of years. And, you know, the ball just falls a couple of ways. The block kick turns that whole game around. But those first two drives, he had a couple of third down throws that were absolutely money. Uh, he ends up going 30 or 48 for 322. No TDs and a pick. But, like, Stephen Carr, like, who's more talented than that kid who's running back? And then he gets six carries and two catches. Like, I think Stephen Carr needs way more touches. I thought that last year when they still had Rodney on the team. Yeah. Um, St. Brown, whose brother is on Stanford, I think he's the real deal. He has nine catches. Like, if they can just keep Daniel upright, he could get the ball to these guys. I just feel like the, the issue is is the people up front. And that's the other thing with everyone who's losing their minds about USC and Clay Helton right now is I'm, I'm looking around the Pac-12 South and I'm think, thinking, you know, what's, what's to stop USC from getting right back to that Pac-12 championship game, and who says that JT Daniels in early December isn't going to be better? I mean, do you do you see another team that in that division you believe is definitively better than USC? No, no, not at all. Uh, now Utah at home is is a better team, but SC could go over there. That's that's not an issue at all. I think this is a huge game on a short week, which I think might work out for USC where they can get on the field and get their game uniforms on earlier than expected playing Wazoo on Thursday night and just get rid of the Boo Birds. You got a home game. You know, maybe the college kids come out on a Thursday night. Like, this is this is obviously a huge spot. You go to one and three, that, that's not on call for. Wazoo wasn't thought to be anything. I'm still not sold on, on Washington State. Like, Wyoming, everybody made a big deal. They stink. They went to Laramie and won. Uh, Eastern Washington and San Jose State, like, come on, let's let's not go crazy here uh, about Washington State being this 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 you know great team, you know, regardless of what they had to go through in the offseason. I just look at the talent level and in this ongoing season. But I think SC's season in a in a spot right here where they're not a big favorite. They're giving like three and a half points. Like the the world is down on them. Uh, I think they got a chance to to open back some eyes and, and get back on things here as, as they get back in the conference play. Well, let's talk about your Stanford Cardinal. They've got a doozy coming up this weekend, heading to Autzen Stadium, uh, taking on Oregon. There is, uh, when you are looking at the way that David Shaw uh, has been, and this, the, his relationship with Bryce Love, um, do you take a, a look at that? And, and that is a David Shaw is being smart with his superstar player in terms of when, he, when he's getting some rest and when he's getting some burn. You know, you knew you had the Oregon game coming up. You sit for UC Davis. Is, is this a, a Stanford offense that you believe is going to 
have what I think could be a big statement game. I mean, this is what's this point spread? Just two points right here. And I, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like on a neutral field, Stanford's about a touchdown better. I mean, how are you, how are you navigating uh, where your head's at for that game? Uh, I'm, I'm really worried. Uh, I think this is <laughs> as, as, as the spot was as big in, in prime time for Texas last week to make a statement. I think it's even bigger for Oregon here. Now they've come in and played three nobodies also, but you know, they have, they have legit talent on offense. Um, and in Austin Stadium, when it's cranked up, man, and which it will be with game day there, that whole – like I've seen that numerous times, probably five or six times in the last seven, eight years. Uh, I've I've been to – God, since 2010. This will be – I've been to every one of the games in Oregon except the last one. And I just – Stanford just really, really worries me up front, man, on the offensive line. They, they just feel like they can't seem – they're not identifying things right. San, uh, San Diego State week one just did a great job of, of covering, disguising, you know, your fronts and where you, you're trying to count guys in the box and then safety's rolled up and linebackers playing off. They're, they're, that, they're really tough. So Stanford was good to, you know, throw the ball one-on-one there. Um, USC, I just thought Stanford just imposed their will and, and just said, you know, we're not going to lose to these guys. In, in, a, in a conference game. And last week, they, early on, man, against Davis, they, they looked terrible. And I just, I'm not sure KJ and, and, and Arcega Whiteside can keep doing what they're doing on the edge because they're going to face better talent. And I, I would have to think Oregon has good talent in their secondary. Levitt turned, uh, I should say turned around, but like really improved that Oregon defense in the year that he was there last year. And I don't think Stanford hasn't seen anything like this Oregon offense uh, from their defensive side of the thing. So, I mean, I think it's legit. Love, it looked like, he, to me, he took a real shot at the end of that USC game. So I would imagine he is in concussion protocol. And, you know, if they don't have him, they have no chance. Like, watch the first half of the Davis game. Like, they're, they actually have the holes, and the running backs just, they're, you know, they run that inside power toss, and the gaps are there, and the running backs just don't see it where Bryce would be. 20 yards down the field already. I, I, I like Oregon in this spot. I really do. I just, I, what's at stake? Herbert has been, I, he has to be dying for this spot. Didn't play them against them last year in Palo Alto. Uh, knowing the weapons he has, I, I, I could see Oregon trying to come out and put one on Stanford there. Why have you always tried to get out to that Oregon Stanford game? Is that, is it just because you, that's an atmosphere <laughs> you like, or, or what's, what's, what's drawn you over there? Uh, well, it's, it's kind of where it's more of, I was fortunate because game day was there. So oh, I got you. I got to you. be there, which <laughs> worked out great. Uh, but you know, between USC games and Michigan state going out there, but yeah, I used to, uh, produce the game day radio show. So we would, uh, we would be out there a lot. I mean, the, the 2012 game, the overtime feasible earth catch in the end zone. I was there on the sidelines for, uh, the 2010 game, which is an all-timer, Stanford's up 21 nothing. I think, with luck. They knocked the Woosu out. Well, Michael Dan's runs crazy. Um, I've been at uh, all, all the good ones, man. Mariota finally beating him a couple of years ago. Um, it's it's just a, it's a really, really – it's just like everybody's – you know, when you go to these games now, you feel the music getting pumped in the stadium. It feels like Oregon was like one of those first places. And then, like, all the science things I watched, you know, from when people tell you about the place, you know, when you play there, how the noise goes right up off the overhang and then comes right back down on the field, how they have it out there in Washington at Husky Stadium. It's just uh, – it's just it, they're just two unbelievable places. And when they're cranked up, they're as good as any of the places besides uh, Baton Rouge and Madison, I think, are the loudest one that's right. So I was going to ask you, what what's – I mean – I love hearing you talk about all the places you've been because you've actually experienced yep. the game day at all these places. And, and, and I think you understand how that actually can, can really have an impact on, on outcomes in, in a way. But mm-hmm. I'm curious to your favorite, like what's, what's your hall of fame, like all time, like best atmosphere is it BAM LSU. What's, what's the, yeah. what's the game that's just can't miss. Well, we put in 99 uh, Stafford, we went up to Washington for a huge game that was, Ended up not being the factor in going to the Rose Bowl, 
because they lost the following week, but they beat us. That was our only loss in conference. And the Trias and Sopo set a record for rushing and passing yards in the game. You can look the game up online at any time. Uh, that was the loudest stadium I ever played in, man. It was it was completely insane. And you could play all the music you want and, and practice, but, like, to legit be lined up next to your left tackle and, like, you know, tight ends can move a little bit, you know, to get the call from the quarterback. And the quarterback trying to – change the play and he's literally two guys away from you and you have no chance like zero of hearing you and then the tackle you know trying to talk to you and you got I mean it's just it's something to see man and the old silent counts and all that stuff like it whoever came up with that stuff it, it's huge because I, I think it's a huge factor in helping teams on the road but yeah the all-time um the all-time atmosphere was LSU Bama the Yeldon uh, screen catch uh, yeah. with McCarron uh, is 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 the all time. Like that place from 10 a.m. to I mean, I legit uh, shoot like five minutes before the game ended. It, like it, it was <laughs> the, the ultimate era of the balloon man. That talk about jacked up. It was it was crazy. And one play, Saban gets the boys run off the run off the field. Like that was the you know when they used to. I think they they can't do it anymore. But like Mike the Tiger, they would put in a cage right next to where the opposing team runs out. Yeah. So like if you weren't paying attention, you got you got scared the, the you know what out of you. And uh, it's just it not, nothing like Baton Rouge on a Saturday night. Uh, I don't care what anyone says. And where anyone has been, there's nothing like it. <laughs> what what I want to take you now, like this this weekend, we, you talked to Oregon a little bit. They got a new coach. I want to kind of, you're great at like you just did with USC, kind of, you know, having some perspective, talking people off the ledge. And I, there's some bad starts right now going on for coaches, new coach <laughs> hires. <laughs> I, I want to get like, are there as you look across the the landscape here and you see some of these coaches starting, you know, over, you know, Willie Taggart has been a mess. Chip Kelly's been a mess. Chad Morris is, you know, Arkansas has looked bad. Like, are there any that, that you would say, all right, that, that I would be a little bit worried right now based on what I've seen, or, or are you ready to sort of back, you know, throw some, th- some context and perspective for all those guys? I'll be honest. I haven't been able to watch much of Arkansas. Um, yeah. I just, I mean, I know what Chad's thought of as a coach, like, but I also know fan bases down there. Like, they don't want to lose to North Texas by 80 at home, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's pretty common around it. The one that sticks out to me, um, but I still say you have to relax, is Florida State. And that's because Francois just doesn't look like the same player to me, man. Like, he he like he used to be, you know, third down. Like, I'm, I got, I'm getting pressured. I'm going to go get this one myself. And I just have not seen that this year. And I, I, the opening night, I thought we were making way too much of a deal of Bud Foster and Virginia, Virginia Tech defense. Like, I just thought Florida State just constantly had breakdowns where Virginia Tech just took advantage of what a normal above-average defense would do. And then you look at Sanford. Like, I watched that second half of the Sanford game because I saw the score, and I'm like, they, they're going to lose. And Sanford gave them the ball in turnovers, and they were fortunate to win. Last week, like, and I picked Syracuse just because of the set, the what I've seen from Florida State. I mean, Barton, you know the deal. Like, it just feels like they haven't been able to block people since, you know, Jamison's first year. And yeah. now, you know, with that combination of, of Francois not looking like that, I mean, they have, you know, talent on the defense with Christmas and those guys up. Huh. I mean, enough, enough of the pressure. Like, you go up to Syracuse, Syracuse does have a decent offense even though they lost their quarterback last week. But, you know, what makes you feel good about them? They're a 10-point favorite against a Northern Illinois team who could have beat Utah a couple weeks ago except for turning the ball over. Like, I, 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 I don't – it feels too easy to pick Northern Illinois to go to, I think, the game's at, like, noon. Like, there's nothing scary about Tallahassee at a noon on Saturday, you know? Over under in that game right now is at forty five. What are you taking? Oof, man, <laughs> Northern Illinois. 
really can't score, but their D is legit, man. Like their their D is 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 legit. So like if they just play decent, I mean they're gonna do things because Florida State's just gonna you know mentally break down. 45. Like that's the thing. Oh. I mean, with Florida State, it's it's you're looking like if if you're looking at Florida State offensively and you're trying to find what you hang your hat on or what you're encouraged by, it's just hard to find much. I mean, and 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 it's amazing yeah. because Cam Akers is as talented as any back in the country, I think, and and they've got receivers that can go and get the football, and then it just does just nothing's clicking right now. And I and I I'm trying to pump the brakes myself and make sure I'm seeing this from the you know the the lens yeah. of all right, Willie Taggart has. You know he's looked ugly at the beginning of some ten years before and gotten things figured out, um, but I don't, I don't understand why it has to be like that. Yeah, it, I'll tell you one thing that did you know catch me a little bit, and that's why I did believe the Blackman story was possible that he was in the running. Is in Willie's offense that Gulf Coast, your quarterback's going to get hit, and 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 I, and I, as much as people want to you know blame the offensive line. There are reads there where if he doesn't get rid of enough fast enough, he's going to get hit. And that's yeah. how, like, Herbert at Oregon, he missed games last year because of the same reason. Mm. You know, I just don't think it, it, it happens so fast. And when these teams are game planning for you, like, hey, I got a free run. Guess where I'm going to take somebody's head off? And it's one thing to simulate in practice where, you know, the guy tagging off on the quarterback because he has a green shirt on. But not when he has that Tallahassee helmet on, man. Like, these other teams – Always are going to get Florida State's best shot for forever until we're yeah. we're old and, and, and can't even talk on the phone anymore like this. So it's 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 a it's a chance to get it right, knowing that you still have more talent. How many times do you tell your guys we're more talented than this team? Like let's go out and win. Like you got to do something else. You know, there's got to be some kind of spark. You know, from another guy. Maybe maybe it's a walk on going down on opening kickoff, something like that. Where you know. There has to be a fire that started within the guys on the team. And, and the way he's talking about with the leadership and practice and stuff, like it just feels like they're lacking that. One of the best segments in all of sports television is Bad Beats with Scott Van Pelt and Stanford Steve. So at, from from the, the gambling perspective, I want to throw this one at you. Uh, is there a team that comes to mind? Uh, there's been – I know we – you know, we pick games against the spread uh, here on this podcast every single week. And, you know, we always have to be making adjustments. And so, like, where do you think you've made some of your biggest adjustments from what you're expecting from a team or how trustworthy a team could be going into the year to what you see now? Like, specifically this year? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I said all offseason with uh, Felica, Florida State was the number one wild card in, in the country. Like, I thought, like, their over-under was eight, eight and a half. I ended up taking the under for total wins in the season. But I was like, they could win 10. Like, I, I gave out Cam Akers as a sleeper Heisman pick because I saw what Rolls-Royce Freeman did in that Oregon offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now it's three weeks later, and it's like, whoa. <laughs> like, that, that, that's the, the, bad, the bad that you thought, you know, that could happen has happened. And, you know, it's – here's one thing. Right now, there's – when you talk specific teams like Wisconsin, what, like, like, how do you look at that one last week? Like, it's just, it always feels like Wisconsin has two of those games every year where the offense isn't clicking, the defense, the pressure's on them, enough, enough, enough. Another team makes a play. This week it was BYU with Magnum, who's been there for 12 years. Right. And they make a couple plays, and BYU, you know, squeaks out a win. Now Wisconsin goes on the road, and they're a favorite, given more than a field goal. Like, against an Iowa team who I thought preseason was as scary as any, but I decided to go under on, uh, I think they were seven and a half wins, because the two guys that had experience behind Stanley at quarterback never, uh, that had experience, transferred. So if Stanley goes down, they they don't have a person that's ever taken a snap in college. And in the Big Ten with those defenses, like, that scared me off Iowa. So now here they are all crystal clear, Stanley still upright, undefeated, getting Wisconsin at home when they're undefeated. And, like, they couldn't be happier for this situation, you know, to go. So, like, what do you do with Wisconsin as a favorite on the road, which we know always happens. You know, this is a night game in Kinnick. Like, Iowa people live for this game every year. We saw it against Ohio State last year. It's 
it's dicey. Uh, you know, Wisconsin, I still think, lost more talent on defense um, than people gave credit to last year. And I think they, they, they're still working on that. But, like, you know, everybody talked about the Wisconsin receivers this year, how they were difference makers. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor coming back. But it's that Hornerbrook factor, man. Like, his good is, is good, and his bad is, is just – it'll cost you games. And I, I think going back to last week, it, that's what it did. I'm terrified of that pick because I, I wonder if Iowa plus three and a half is just the sucker play because it seems too easy. Um, I don't know. Yeah. and, and Yeah. Uh, well, I, I watched the whole uh, Cyhawk game with Iowa State because uh, he's like one of my favorite coaches in college football, and I really thought they could beat Iowa. And then the quarterback, Kemp, got hurt. And Iowa State, I mean, completely shut Iowa down except for one drive, uh, of course, when Iowa needed a drive to go down and cover, and they got a touchdown, and they ended up did, did covering. Um, but uh, I look at I look at uh, Iowa's offense, and I I don't know, man. Like I I think Wisconsin's defense is good enough to to hold them down. It feels like you trust Wisconsin more, though, don't you? Yeah. You know when it when it comes to programs. Yes, hundred well, percent. Yeah, ex- except for like when the the one area I always trust Iowa is. In- I had a Kinnick Stadium in a big matchup, right? Yeah. Like that's that and that. Go ahead. Oh, I, 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 you're totally right. And I want what I wanted to say before about Wisconsin from last week is like I watched the tape this morning. Those big bad dudes that Wisconsin had in Sports Illustrated, the old linemen or whatever, like they kind of got their butts with last week, and like that that never happens. And one thing Iowa does have is some, is some, is some darn talent on that defensive line yeah. uh, that I can't remember the kid's name, Bethesda uh, or the, the end, who was there. They, like, for, yeah, yeah, he was like their first five-star in like a decade, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, and and they got, that kid yeah. can go. So, I mean, if, if BYU can disrupt Wisconsin, like Iowa's got to feel pretty good about themselves, you know, at home at night. Are you making a big adjustment on Michigan State? Because they were off last week. And so there's this spot here against Indiana where, again, it was a team that had a lot of excitement and a lot of hype going into the year. They're on the road against a conference opponent. Uh, Michigan State's going in as only about a five-point favorite. And so half of me is thinking, all right, Mark D'Antonio and this coaching staff has been able to uh, totally get into this roster after the loss to Arizona State. But the other side is wondering, you know, if Michigan State doesn't cover here or if Michigan State were to straight-up lose at Indiana, well, then we were just way off on the Spartans from the get-go. Oh, for sure. I I actually lean towards uh, Michigan State winning the Big Ten because of the, 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 the returning players factor. Like, two years ago, you know, the, you saw the debacle, you know, in East Lansing where they, they just they just didn't have it and, you know, finished, what was it, three and nine, I think? Yep. But, you know, you talk about that trust thing, man, it's really, really hard to not trust Mark D'Antonio. Like, he got to see his team blow a lead on the road in a primetime game in a huge spot. And then a week off, like I, I would think Mark Antonio made the most of that time being off, knowing what's at stake with it, with a conference game on the road against an Indiana team. Who and there's another guy, Tom Allen. Like I, I like that guy. Like I, yeah. I, I, I root for Indiana because of like what that guy brings to the table and his fearless attitude. Ramsey has so much guts at quarterback. Um, but that line really, really stinks to me. Like, don't you think Michigan State should be given more points? Yes. And that makes me almost think, like, Michigan State will win by one point and Indiana will cover. <laughs> so, um, you know, and I feel like I say that every time Michigan State goes to Indiana the past couple of years because it feels like Michigan State is one of those teams that should be given more. And, you know, they, they rarely lay an egg. And I, I, I do lean towards Michigan State in this spot, even though I can't stand giving points on the road. Before uh, we have to let you go, I, I wanted to get your an SEC take on you because this is – I know the SEC West is sort of like the the talk of college football right now and how strong the SEC West is, but this podcast is developing a quick infatuation with the East because it's just like this chaos. <laughs> Why? <laughs> like, because it's just – you don't know what it is. We, like there's, we don't know what the East is, and I'm trying to see if you know what the East is. We know what George is. Georgia's the best team in the yeah. division. But then after that, like, 
is there anything you're confident in as, as regards to like who's the second best team? Who's like who's going to have a big season? That no, like it's just this sort of like mess, and and we're and I, I just love trying to figure it out. Here's the mess. No one else besides Georgia will win that division. Does that right. work? No, we got that part figured out. That's, that's the part we're clear um, on. Uh, I, I'm not giving up on South Carolina. Like, I I love Muschamp. Um, and I they just, I mean, you talk about the ball bouncing different ways against Georgia. Like, that's how good Georgia is, man. Like, they just take advantage of things. And that game was just, just it was gone. Like, you know, once they went up two scores, you didn't think South Carolina was coming back. Florida, like, I'm looking at that game this week. That's in Knoxville, right? Yes, I think. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah I'm that's... pretty sure. Like, that, yeah, that, yeah, that's in Knoxville. I, I think Vandy's getting a little too much hype. I don't think so. I actually like South Carolina this week going to Vandy and winning. Missouri, I mean, 3-0 is 3-0, but I, have they beat a team over 500 yet? Has Drew Locke done that? Well, uh, you that mentioned last year. You mentioned the Wyoming win looks totally different because uh, you know you come into the season with all these high Craig Bowl thoughts and a post Josh Allen bump, and Wyoming's a bad football team. It turns out. Correct, really bad. <laughs> uh, so I'm not. I'm. I'm not sold on. If I had to rank them, I would still go South Carolina second, Florida third, maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know. Florida, Tennessee. I'm I'm really interested in Tennessee because like every I could feel their fan base like right now. I'm, you live in Tennessee, don't you, Barton? Yep. Yep. They. Yeah. But I mean, this but, is. But you're in Vandy country, right? Um. Well, this there is no such thing as Vandy country. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> Vandy's got like a little neighborhood in Tennessee State. Uh. uh you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it's. I think that they're. Tennessee fan base is itching for a winner, and and I think they know it's going to take time. But they're they're also an impatient fan base right now. You know, yeah. The 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 one I, I honestly the let me pitch you on this and tell me if if you're buying like Kentucky. Kentucky. Everyone's just overlooking Kentucky, and and I and Florida may not be that good, but Kentucky's they got a, one of the best backs in the SEC. They've got an offensive yeah. line that just mashed Florida. They got a Florida, quarterback yeah. that's not that's not perfect, but who is who's athletic. And then, like I was talking to an NFL scout recently that said they got a, they're peppered with with NFL prospects on their defense. They got these big, long six three corners, and um, the Josh Allen outside linebacker kid can really get after it. And so, I mean, you, I'm just I, I'm as guilty as anybody. I just sort of sort of bypass Kentucky, but I, I wonder if there's a chance they're the second best team in this division, and we'll find out this weekend when. They play Mississippi State, yeah. probably. That, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, I, uh, I, you guys know Cole Kubelek down there, who does an unbelievable job um, down oh, yeah. in Birmingham on the radio and does work for SEC Network. And I was talking to him before the Kentucky Florida game and also about um, Mississippi State recently. And he was just, like, he thought Kentucky could go into to Gainesville and beat Florida because he thought he doesn't like Florida's defensive line. And then – before the year, he was just talking about how much he loves Mississippi State on both sides of the line. So I, I, I you mentioned Kentucky. This week is a huge litmus test for me. You know, yeah. knowing what's coming in, and I mean, I, I think Morehead was like the biggest wild card in that conference because every I think everybody just kind of has this fear, and I'm like, man, I don't want to get blown out by that guy. Like he seems kind of fearless. So, yeah. um, I think that's a big one, a uh, big one in Lexington this week to to definitely help you guys figure out which show you want to take to the dance from NCC because you know Georgia's already taken. Well, That's yeah, right. It's, it's like the SEC East, the ACC Coastal, just wherever we have mediocre Power 5 football where no one wants to win a division. That's that's really where you can find so, some real glory. Uh, all right, Sanford Steve, is there a point spread where you would feel comfortable taking an underdog against Alabama right now? Oh, um... Oh, uh, you got to tell me what the spread is. Like, let's say if if we see a conference, yeah, if, yeah I w- yes, I would be willing. Okay, yes, I would be willing. I'll, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll spin it on the on, on you on this guy on this way. Okay, I give you Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State. 
Would you take those teams or the field to win the title? Those teams. Those teams. You would. Yeah. would you you would take the field? No, I actually took those teams because uh, there was a bet in Vegas before the season. <laughs> oh, you're, I think you're sitting pretty. I, I, laid, I laid minus one. I made this minus two eighty. I, I, I laid two eighty to win a hundred, and I got the and I have Washington also, but they're obviously out of it. The only I mean, the only threat I feel there is to me is Georgia. I agree. Yeah. And if I had to rank them, the next one would be Penn State. What, what what's why do you say Penn State? I think Penn State's going to beat Ohio State. I really do. I I don't like what I saw from Ohio State secondary, um, yeah. and I think Penn State. That's one thing they have. We, we I mean we talk about home fields. That wideout is as real as it gets. Um, Haskins has been pretty special, but like he really hasn't faced any any adversity to me. Um, what he's going to face, you know, where Penn State can ramp it up. Now does Penn State have it on the on the line? To, to to win a national title? I don't think so. Um, but to ramp it up for one or two games in conference play, I, I, I totally see them being able to do that. Yeah, Barton, you're going to be at that one. Yeah, I'll be I'll, I'll be at the whiteout. I'm ready. I'm pumped. Are you? Yeah, I'm going to be up there. There's an outside, outside chance I could get there, so uh, definitely we could get together and I could buy you a beer. All right. Make it happen. I'm in. Stanford Steve at Stanford yeah, Steve 82. At Stanford Steve 82 on Twitter. Uh, Steve, man, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Uh, we should do it again later in the season. Yeah, anytime, you guys, man. I, I know how hard you guys work at your craft, and, and that, that recruiting thing is, is no joke. So um, hats off to you guys. Uh, I know plenty of, of riders out there, uh, you know, on the national scale, local scale, that go right to you guys for, for information when it comes out about recruiting. So, Keep doing what you're doing, man. Like it, it, it does not go on. Appreciate, Appreciate it, man. the kind words. Appreciate it, Steve.